playing pool was big in the 90s. So I went to this pool hall and I put Pearl Jam in this CD ghetto or like the CD jukebox type thing. And uh, I played Pearl Jam and, and one guy came up to me. He's like, oh, good choice. And I'm like, thanks. And we started talking and he was in a band and I was in a band and we started talking and he's like, look, I'm looking for a guitar player and a drummer. So I said, I know a great drummer. We would love to audition. We ended up auditioning. And the band that I was auditioning for, they were much older. They were all in university, a much more experienced than I had. But he gave me a tape to learn. And I learned the songs as best I could, went to the audition, and we both got the part. It's not a straight line. I'm Jordan Harding, and welcome to the podcast. We're about to learn how people like you and I overcome career setbacks, pivot, reinvent themselves, and find work that aligns with their top strengths. Let's dig in together as we learn how these incredible people become the best version of themselves. All right. So Andre, Caden Black, thanks for joining the It's Not a Straight Line podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. For those that don't know, Andre is a executive producer. He's been in the music industry for 20 years as an artist, a touring musician, a songwriter, and now in the role of executive producer. He's toured with the likes of One Republic, Alicia Keys, and Jason Mraz. He's worked alongside countless touring artists like Fifi Dobson, Francesco Yates, Walk Off the Earth, and so many others. You live about 13 floors above me in this beautiful <laughs> building that we're now <laughs> locked down in. Thanks for being here, Andre. Well, thanks for having me. So Andre, I'm really interested, you know, what did you think you wanted to do as a career when you were a teen? You know, if you think back and, and maybe what type of student were you? Yeah, honestly, I already knew I wanted to be in the music industry as a teen, even before a teen. As a teenager, I was an okay student, but I kind of, you know, as a kid had in the back of my mind, like, oh, I don't know if this even matters because I'm going to be in the music industry anyway, regardless of what happens. That was kind of my mindset. So I was just like, I'm going to enjoy the social experiment and get good enough grades to get by and, and focus on, you know, band practice every single night after school for three or four hours and then going home, writing and practicing on my guitar. What do you think was the influence, you know, that early on? Was it, were your parents very supportive? Was there a specific artist or band you really got into? And, and, you know, was it the guitar that was your first instrument? Yeah, I mean, I think guitar was my first instrument for sure, uh, other than singing. But uh, I, I don't know what inspired me directly to get into music. You know, funny enough, I found out later on in life that I have stepbrothers that I didn't know I had, and they were all uh, successful musicians too. So maybe it might be genetic, but I always just kind of was in love with the arts ever since I was extremely young. My parents weren't really artistic and I didn't really grow up really rich or anything like that. I had a pretty normal life growing up in Burlington. I mean, you know, Burlington is a, a richer city, but growing up, we were just getting by so I wasn't spoiled with, you know, the latest and greatest stuff. So I think it just kind of came natural to me. And for sure, artists and bands did inspire me going through my journey. But at the end of the day, I think it was just a natural progression. What was it like, like once you found out you had those stepbrothers that were talented musicians, did you ever, you know, jam with them? Did you ever find out what got them into it? Yeah, you know, 
I haven't jammed with them per se, but I have reconnected with three of them in person. The other ones I haven't connected with uh, yet only through email, you know, and I haven't really asked them that question, to be honest with you. So I, I don't really don't know what their answer would be to that. And I heard a podcast you were on, Andre, and you spoke about, you know, when you first got a record deal, and I guess we'll talk into that, you had, I think, three jobs to help you pay for it. So you're a hardworking guy. You didn't just sit back and let things come to you. What was your first job just to make some money to really put it back into this passion? Yeah, I mean, I was obsessed and I think that's going to be something I want to talk about a bit later is, is being obsessed with your goals, because I think that's what got me to where I am today in a healthy way. But my first job was, <laughs> I was very young and it was, uh, I don't even think I was legally able to work. I think I was like 13 and it was a dishwashing job at okay. a restaurant. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a great job, but it paid for my half of the record and recordings and and anything I needed to fund the band I was currently in. So I had that job. And then from there, I kind of picked up other jobs throughout the summers when things got more expensive. You know, I did whatever I I had to do just to kind of stay in the picture with the band I was in. So 13, wow, that's early to jump into the first job. That's well before I had a first job. How did this original record deal come come to play. Can you speak about some of your early days in music? I, I believe you were tied to Chris Management Agency, who also, yeah. uh, you know, was representing or working with Nelly Furtado. You know, what was it like early on? It was absolutely surreal. I mean, I was in high school. Um, I mean, I played in bands before high school. I think my first band I was that we played live, I was 12. And uh, we... <laughs> We played downtown Burlington and got rocks thrown at us because we were so bad. Yeah, it was terrible. (laughs) Uh, We were just kids, right? And then, you know, I went to high school, started a band there. We were actually pretty decent. And then I was underage and, you know, it was easy back in the 90s to sneak into bars with fake IDs or whatever. So I would, you know, pool, playing pool was big in the 90s. So I went to this pool hall. And I put Pearl Jam in this CD ghetto or like the CD jukebox type thing. And uh, I played Pearl Jam and, and one guy came up to me. He's like, oh, good choice. And I'm like, thanks. And we started talking and he was in a band and I was in a band and we started talking and he's like, look, I'm looking for a guitar player and a drummer. So I said, I know a great drummer. We would love to audition. We ended up auditioning. And the band that I was auditioning for, they were much older. They were all in university, a much more experienced than I had, but he gave me a tape to learn and I learned the songs as best I could, went to the audition and we both got the part. We were still in high school, grade nine or 10. And it was surreal. We ended up within a year, we ended up with major management. I think I was too young to really realize how well my career was going. And I feel like I was so immature that I felt that it was just happening because it was supposed to happen. And that was my destiny. And I wasn't really, I don't think I was as grateful as I could have been when I was young. Everything was happening. And I don't think I really understood how serious it was until we started signing contracts with bigger touring agencies like SL Feldman booking agencies. We got our first big lawyer and then our first big contract, which you alluded to earlier. So it was a lot of work. It was about 
three years until we ended up signing a big deal and the band ended up the band ended up breaking up after the deal was signed with la reed they signed with bmg arista when it existed but uh everything we worked for ended up just ending uh shortly after in 2001 so you're a grade nine, grade 10 kid. You auditioned for this role. And if I'm hearing you right, it's with people that were at the time in college. Is that right? Or university? Yeah. Like yep. much yep. older. You get yep. the role. It's hard for you to even fathom, you know, what's going on. I, I guess first, who was guiding you in terms of the business aspect of music? Because it's very complicated. There's all these deals taking place. You can get locked into record label deals with the wrong people and we can get into to that you can you know you can set up with the wrong management how are you making those decisions first of all i wasn't really making much of the decisions when i was young it was all the singer he was pretty much taking control of the band he was a very smart smart guy he's now doing a project called ocean ship um his name's brad lyons and he was uh, I think he was in medical school at the time, or he was in kinesiology. You know, he was very athletic and he was also a model. So he's one of those multi-talented people. You know, I think we just kind of used our gut instinct and there's no right or wrong way in the music industry. And that's the craziest part. So it's not like, okay, I want to become a doctor. So these are the list of things to do. If you accomplish those, you'll, you'll get a piece of paper saying that you're a doctor. It's not like that in the music industry. There is no like the podcast, there's no straight line and you just kind of have to trial and error and hope that the relationships you make are strong enough to get you to that next level. I think it's the most competitive industry presently right now. You know, now that we have computers and pro tools, anyone can kind of record a record. So it was just gut instinct at that time and trust. Uh, and we kind of just fell into the right deals. That's great. And it's good that you did go on, you know, uh, on gut and but what did it feel like in, in 2001 when, when the band broke up? Was it, were you young enough that it kind of just brushed off your shoulder? Or was that maybe the ma first major setback you had in, in the industry? I was destroyed. Like it was not, I didn't know what to do. I mean, the band was pretty much in shambles before the deal. There were too many egos, I think. We all hated each other by the end of it. It was just, it wasn't healthy. And yeah, I was devastated. I didn't know what I was going to do. I had to take time off of high school to tour the country with other major label bands. It was just surreal and it all just ended. And I'm 20 years old, not knowing what I'm going to do. So yeah, it was completely frightening for me. So I just kind of started writing and I started recording my own stuff and one thing led to another and I started new bands moving forward and you know the story goes on kind of thing you went from starting and you really probably had to push yourself to to start writing and doing things on your own and then forming other bands and and then you you toured and I think the first time I met you you told me you toured throughout Asia I believe it is and I, yep. I'm sure you toured all over and and then you kind of decided that that wasn't right for you or the direction you wanted to go in. So maybe could you explain a little bit about your path that way and what you learned about yourself in order to make those decisions? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, my career all started, you know, after we, after speaking about the first band, I ended up starting a couple other bands. One of them got a deal in Asia, like you mentioned, and felt like that was my 
second opportunity to really kind of make a good run in making a career in the music industry because I was still working a couple part-time jobs at the time. So we ended up getting a record deal in Asia. We toured Asia for a couple of years. It was amazing. You know, I, I played shows bigger than I'd ever imagined playing. After that band ended up splitting, I ended up getting a phone call from one of my mentors at Christmas Management, and they were looking for a musical director for Fifi Dobson's new record that she was coming out with. So I accepted the position and I started playing with Fifi's band. And that was really fun. We did some cool shows. We did some touring. And at that point, I felt like I was constantly on the road and I really just wanted to kind of change gears. So I ended up chatting with my mentor and he placed me in the songwriting and development section of Christmas Management's label 21 Entertainment. So I started working with their artists from a songwriting level and a development level. One of these artists' name was Francesco Yates. We had some great success with him. He ended up signing a big record deal with Atlantic, went on to work with Pharrell Williams, did some really cool stuff there. And then at that point, I ended up starting to develop bands on my own with everything I learned from Christmas Management. I found success in, in production and development. I also was part of another writing team with a really close friend of mine, Frankie White, and the bass player from the band Our Lady Peace. We started a writing team and we started writing primarily for Sony ATV. And we got the opportunity to pitch for, you know, some great artists, Pitbull, Rihanna, Christina Aguilera. So that was a great experience writing with that team, working with Sony. And then from there, I ended up taking production a lot more seriously. I got really busy. A lot of my clients ended up coming back and I'd be getting new ones. I started doing music conferences, like speaking at yep. music conferences and uh, traveling internationally to record. I got an opportunity to record at Abbey Road Studios in London, England, which was just incredible. Uh, it's hard to kind of fill in 20 years, you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, I think you did a, did a pretty good job. And I mean, yeah, I saw the thing about Abbey Roads. It's unbelievable, you know, putting together that writing team and, and writing for people, you know, having the opportunity to work with the basis from Our Lady Peace and just, you know, being able to speak on those con at those conferences, whether it was Canadian Music Week uh, or Indie Week must have been a great, great experience for you. I mean, a lot of people that listen to my podcast and the people that I'm trying to attract are, and I started this because I believe a lot of people go to a nine to five job and, you know, they get their university degree, they go into their nine to five job and they just do it day in and day out. And a lot of times they say, yeah, I wish I could do something else. I wish I could be more creative. And then, you know, people retire. And mm -hmm. I think it's a sad thing. I think the world needs people to find what they're meant to do and I agree. you've now lived a career in the music industry with something you wanted to do and it sounds like there were a lot of setbacks in times that maybe things didn't go to plan how do you look at it now because i see your instagram you're very inspiring inspirational how do you continue to push yourself towards that next goal and when you face challenges now or in the past, what are the strategies you use to continue to live this life you want to live? 
Well, honestly, I think it comes down to a mindset. <clears throat> and that's something I learned throughout my career is staying positive is, is actually a very, very powerful tool. You know, I, I'm a firm believer positive energy attracts positive things into your life. At the end of the day, I think a lot of meditation is good and staying grounded because I grew up through my 20s with, a, with an ego and I don't think that really supported me. And looking back, if I could change it, I would. But, you know, on the other hand, I did learn a lot of my lessons and it, wouldn't, it made me who I am today. You know, if I were to tell anyone in any industry, it would just be stay positive. And if anything goes wrong, you kind of have to look at the positive and turn it into, you know, something that'll work for you instead of against you. How did you come across learning that staying grounded and maybe tempering your ego was something you had to do? Because I imagine, you know, you mentioned in Asia playing in front of big crowds, like how, how big of crowds were you playing in front of? I mean, like we were doing small clubs with 500 people and then we were doing massive festivals with up to 60,000 people. You know, that's crazy. That's like, yeah. So how did you, how did you realize, like, why did you come to that realization? Like, Hey, I, you know, I, I do need to stay grounded. I need to bring some more mindfulness to my life. You know, I think it all just started when I brought spirituality into my life. I think that changed me quite a bit. I did a lot of reading throughout my thirties in regards to, you know, certain, certain ways that we can channel our energy. But I think Living in a spiritual world, I think helped a lot when it comes to how I started, you know, how I became a little bit more successful in that way. And so when you do face times like, uh, you know, the pandemic we're going through right now, you mentioned meditation. So I'm interested to hear what type of meditation you do, because I, I use the Calm app and, and I yeah. tried Headspace as well. And then you seem to be this unbelievable uh, amateur athlete if I can call yourself that and you're you've now like even taken on the challenge of like wanting to do a triathlon so does because physical stuff helps me too does that really like what are some of the things you do to keep yourself mentally and physically in shape aside from the spirituality yeah I I'm big in working out I've always have been going to the gym uh, I used to love lifting weights and doing a little bit of cardio but since this pandemic hit, gyms have been closed, which forced me to go outside and work out. And that's when everything kind of changed for me. I started running longer distance out, distances outside. I started taking my bike out a bit more and, and taking advantage of the summer. And I think that's what got me into triathlon, which is now a pretty big part of my life. And, you know, things like endurance sports, like running and cycling, you know, when you're running a half marathon, I feel like right after you're done, it kind of just clears your mind and it just kind of, it's almost like a reset button, you know? So it makes me feel good. That's why I do it. So what made, what made you take on such a big challenge and, and did you start, did you already know you were athletic and you're like, this is a goal I want to go for, or are you the type of guy that likes to set a goal that high? A little bit of both. And I think the reason I started triathlon sports was because of the lack of work I had during the pandemic. So, you know, on a typical year, I'd be producing anywhere from 15 to 20 records, 25 records. And I would constantly be busy with podcasts, interviews, 
but this year was different and I'm wired to hit goals. So I needed to, to accomplish something. So I found myself in sport, started writing down my times and trying to beat them and started doing research on how to get better and change my diet. I dropped weight massively. I was 185 pounds uh, of mostly muscle uh, in February, and I currently weigh 134 pounds. Uh, I've, I leaned out. Unbelievable. Uh, about 60 pounds I lost in uh, five months of just eating and, and training. So yeah, I, I think it all came down to just goals. I needed some goals in my life. And Andre, with the triathlon, I noticed that you, you've got this amazing bike. I think I saw on Instagram that you invested in. You invested in some things to help you be more physically fit and try to hit this goal. And you also, early in your music career, had those three jobs. Mm-hmm. And you might want to touch on you know, how you felt the need to invest money into that record deal. And I've I've heard you also advise artists to, you know, don't sit back, like invest in yourself. Why do you take that approach? Do you truly believe in just investing in yourself to become better? Yeah, hundred percent. I believe in investing in yourself hundred percent. I'm one of those people as well. Like when I go into something, I go into it a hundred percent. Like I dive in, if I'm going to start something, you know, I want to make sure that we have the proper gear, the best gear we could possibly get. And I think that's, that, that's kind of the mindset I have with everything, you know, whether it be music or sports or where I live or how I dress, you know, I, I'm very like, you know, we have this one life. We might as well, might as well live it up and invest in yourself as much as possible because at the end of the day, you're your best investment. So why not? Yeah, it's so true. You, you are your best investment. And I think I can even learn something from that too. And, and, you know, there's, Someone, I think it was Seth Godin. I read his blog the other day and it was talking about how infrastructure and how, you know, North America hasn't really spent much on infrastructure lately. And eventually that will hit a hit a point where we have to do something about it. And he also spoke about how you have to invest the same infrastructure in yourself, whether it's equipment, whether it's learning, whether it's getting out to conferences to make sure you're bettering yourself. Exactly. And I also believe in the flow of money as well. I believe that if you spend it, it'll come back as well. You know, if you hold on to it too tightly, it's like sand. It's like holding on to sand. The tighter you hold on to it, the more it slips through your fingers. And you'll see a lot of people who they hold on to their money pretty tightly. Sometimes you'll notice that those are the people who, who have money problems, right? So for me, I believe in the flow of money. So you have to respect that as well. Uh, that's really interesting. And and so I, w- I was searching through your Instagram a little bit and doing some research and I wanted to bring up some things and, and you were, you know, you spoke about 2021 and manifesting your goals and you spoke about attracting your goals and, and beginning with authenticity and keeping that positive perspective. Have you always been a pretty authentic version of Andre Caden Black? Do you think early in your mu- music career, it was you were trying to be someone you weren't. Do you believe yeah. now you are that authentic person you're meant to be? Yeah, I feel like I'm, it's constantly grow. Like there's growth constantly happening. And I completely feel like I was not my authentic self in my early years, a hundred percent. I just had so much ego, you know, I guess playing in bands and 
not having the right guidance as a kid. And it, you know, a lot of it got to my head. And you know, you get a rude awakening. And I think it all started to change into my late 20s, early 30s, even. And and even throughout my 30s to today, I feel like a totally different person than I was five, 10 years ago. So and again, there's constant growth, which I think is really, really important. And is some of that rude awakening or some of the things you've experienced something you speak openly about? Was it was it kind of one thing that happened or is it something you'd rather not go into? No, it's just it was nothing specific that happened. It was just a course of events over time. And just understanding the music industry, I see a lot of artists that are just starting out. And a lot of them are, are they have a lot to learn. And a lot of there is a lot of ego out there as well. It's not as bad as it used to be. But um, I think in the industry is lightened up a little bit, but you know, you still see it out there. And I think it just comes down to having experience in the industry. And just like you mentioned before, you know, failing and then getting up, trying it again, failing, getting up, trying again, and just respecting the, the path and the journey. And do you think you've grown to be completely okay with that failure? Because you said when you go after a goal, you set it high and you're going to go after it. And and you've got to know that, you know, sometimes you aren't going to hit that goal, but is it something you're comfortable with now? And you just, you, you learn and roll with it? Yeah, absolutely. Like at the end of the day, I just want to be happy. And I think for me, that's what success is. I don't think that's what I define success as when I was younger. Uh, I think it was just monetary and how well can I do in this industry from a fame standpoint as well. So, you know, I think that's all changed throughout the years. I mean, it might be easier, easier said than done now that I'm making a a good living in the industry. But at the end of the day, for me, I'm not chasing anything other than happiness at this point. That's huge. That's huge. And, you know, if we can go back to, to just, music industry specifically you know i'm really interested is there one or two times throughout your career where you've just been blown away and you're like on stage with someone and you're like holy shit this is incredible or you met met someone you were you were a huge fan of or you know what what are one or two of those stories that you might have oh man um i mean (laughs) abbey road was a pretty crazy experience i'll tell you that um i was pretty humbled humbled working out of that studio um, not many people get to work out of there. But, you know, as far as meeting someone that kind of blew my mind, you know, it's hard It's hard to kind of pick anyone off the top of my head, but I feel like I get inspired. I, I've been inspired. Yeah. And maybe the question is, um, who, who inspires you now, whether it's somebody you've met or whether it's a mentor you haven't even met? Is there a podcast or a book that recently has inspired a few changes in your life or a few changes in how you approach your career? You know, it's funny. I get really inspired by athletes, even as a kid. Yeah. Like Kobe Bryant was a huge inspiration. I'm a big basketball fan. Kobe Bryant was a big inspiration growing up. Uh, Currently LeBron is still an inspiration. And now that I'm getting into triathlon, a lot of triathletes are really inspiring to me. Like Cody Beals, he's Canadian. He's won Ironman a few times. Lionel Sanders, from Windsor, super inspiring. So I find inspiration in a lot of athletics. Uh, Same with a few authors here and there. I find inspiration in my friends. A lot of people who I surround myself inspire me. 
And is, is there, you know, aside from being on this podcast, do you listen to any podcasts? Are you into that? Are you into audiobooks at all? Yeah, I listen to podcasts for sure. Uh, I listen to a lot of triathlon podcasts. Nice. Um, yeah, which I really enjoy. Um, I listen to some music industry podcasts from a few friends that run them. I know Rick Barker is a good friend of mine out of Nashville. He's got a great podcast called The uh, Music Industry Blueprint. I would suggest if you're in the music industry to check that out. Yeah, I saw, I heard you on there, and it's pretty. His story is pretty cool too, because it sounds like he was at Big Machine Records. He was, yep. you know, an early manager of of, T- of Taylor Swift, which is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. inspiring guy. Very inspiring guy. Gary Vaynerchuk was inspiring to me. If you you know, I yep. went through a Gary Vaynerchuk phase. You know, I listen to his podcast every day. I really enjoy his stuff talk about not a straight line in this pandemic and now in this second phase and the numbers are going crazy. You know, I saw an article today, I think it was written today, it was from uh, Billy Talents, lead singer, and speaking about the industry and how the bigger acts really need to support the up and coming and emerging acts. It sounds like you've really found inspiration and you're making other goals and doing things to get you through this. What's your advice when other artists come along or, or what do you, what do you think artists that really relied on that, you know, making, making money from live shows. And, and I know live is the most lucrative thing. It sounds like in the music industry, but what's your advice to some of the more medium or smaller acts that were just getting by? Yeah, well, it's, it's absolutely difficult right now, especially, you know, playing live. I've got a lot of friends who just, who made their money playing live and now they're not, and they're unable to. So I guess, you know, my suggestion to artists who are wondering what to do during this pandemic would be to focus on songwriting and strengthening their other skills. When it comes down to success in the music industry, in my opinion, I think it comes down to how good your song is, you know? So for me, you can never do enough songwriting and get better there. There's always courses you can take online there's podcasts you can listen to i think this year 2020 last year was all about growth not necessarily growth when it came to like you know touring or like winning awards but i mean growth as in like personal growth so learning and progressing that way you'll see the artists that took advantage of of the break in 2020 you'll see them come back even stronger when things are back what about yourself? What are you doing right now? Are you still having a lot of artists that are coming to you for early guidance? Are you still very busy with your work? And, and the other thing I wanted to mention is you said to me, you are independent. It's not like you're signed yeah. to any labels. It's not like you're with another management company. Speak with me a little bit about that and the decision of why in the music industry, it's, it's a good thing to do. And, and I think it, it applies to a lot of the way workers are going now, whether they're doing, you know, their own little businesses or are gig workers. But why do you make that decision to be independent? Yeah, like for me, I mean, everyone's journey is different. And you may get an offer from a label or publishing company that really works with you. But for me, I work with a wide range of artists and I don't like to be necessarily, you know, pinned down to one label or one contract. Uh, if I don't need to be. So again, if the right deal came along, I might look at it and consider it. But I don't think it's, I, I think, I think getting a record deal in our new age is overrated. I think 
too many bands are too focused on on that when they should be focused on just being the best they can possibly be. People get clouded with the whole record deal fantasy that's out there when really it doesn't exist. So I actually was telling you a little bit about how I, you know, worked in sponsorship sales and mainly in sport and entertainment. Uh, but I did work with a few young artists before, and that's where I actually met Matt Anthony, who shout out to him was the one that introduced you and I. But I noticed a few things. I noticed that it was very tough sometimes when artists were 16, 17 with work ethic. Uh, I noticed that some people were extremely talented, but I, and I think you even said it in the one podcast I listened to, you need to be obsessed and that's hard. And that's not for everybody. Uh, and people need to choose if that's the route they want to go. And a lot of parents get involved and different people get involved that don't really have an understanding of, of the industry. And, you know, do you ever, how do you, how do you push through that? Do you ever get tired of things? I'm sure there's people you've worked with where you've just had to say, you know what, I'm going to fire this client or maybe they fired you. And, and that's not easy. Yeah, hundred percent. To answer your first question, I think the main a lesson I, you know, I think most artists need to learn is patience. This music industry is not an overnight thing. People don't see how long it takes certain artists to get to where they are. They think it's an overnight thing and they get impatient. If you're an artist and you're not willing to put in a good three to five years of work just to get to start your brand, to develop your brand and strengthen your brand, then, then you're in the wrong industry. You know, this is a, this industry is a marathon. It's not a race. And I think a lot of young artists need to understand that. And that's probably the biggest lesson that most artists need to learn and hear, you know, and it's hard working with parents because it's the same thing. It's not just the artists, it's the parents too, that need to understand that when you start our business, whether it be a restaurant or whatever, it's not going to be an overnight thing. You have to kind of build. And the same thing has to go with if you're starting a band or you're an artist, you know, it's the same thing. You have to build over time. You have to build relationships. You have to get better. You have to show improvement. And I think a lot of people just want success quickly and they don't want to work for it. So that's one thing I do have to teach a lot of my clients is, hey, look, like it might hit, this record might hit and that would be great. But the odds are that you know, um, you may have to put a little bit more work into it. So, And it sounds like you have to have a lot of patience too. You're even saying a marathon and, you know, you've been, you've been going at it for 20 years. It's, I assume it's like any other business. It's a grind, right? It's a massive grind. It is, you know, and, and it, a lot of it has to do with relationships. And that's another thing that I wish I learned as a kid, you know, in the industry young, you know, I think building those really strong, important relationships are something that if I did that as, you know, in my 20s, I probably would get to where I was going a lot quicker. So relationships in this industry is extremely important. And how do you speak with uh, young artists? Because I'm sure you have this experience too. And, and this applies to anyone with that imposter syndrome, with that, you know, I'm in front of this person that, you know, could help me throughout my career. Or maybe can you speak about a time when you felt imposter syndrome and do you ever still experience that today? I mean, at the end of the day, like you mentioned, like you just mentioned, it just, it stems from fear. And I think that's one of the most dangerous 
dangerous things you can kind of let into your life is fear because that will destroy everything you work towards. At the end of the day, you like I was mentioned before, you have to stay positive. You have to have a positive mindset and good things will happen. When you start questioning your journey, I mean, it's good to question what you're doing all the time, but at the same time, you shouldn't overthink things and get too hyped in your head. And I've seen artists get too much in their head and they end up losing it a little bit because it is competitive, you know, and it is very difficult to get ahead in this industry. It's very expensive. It's a very dark industry. There's not a lot of rules. It's the only industry that you can kind of, you know, there are contracts that are being broken and, and it's kind of an outlawed industry in, in, in that way because no one really understands it. it. It's not as corporate as other industries. Easy to understand. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of got that wild, wild west in a, in a certain does. way. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. So as you look at 2021 for yourself, what's one thing you'd like to accomplish within your business career life in, in 2021? What's one of the things you're focused on? Honestly, I just want to change people's lives and help people follow their dreams and become successful. That is my goal. I look at my past and I look up to the people that helped me get to where I am. And I feel that there was a lack of, of help back then. You know, the, the internet wasn't as popular as it was now. It is now we never had podcasts weren't as popular, things like that. So anything I could do to help someone that wants to work with my team get to their next level, that makes me happy. Like when I, when I work with an artist, produce a record and that record gets, you know, half a million streams on Spotify and it's their first single to me. Like, I think that's major success and to see them get happy with that, you know, that really kind of changes your life. You know what I mean? And that's kind of why I do what I do is just to, to bring joy to people's lives when it comes to their goals. So to answer your question, 2021, I just want to keep doing that and see where it takes me at the end of the day. You know, I don't know how the music industry is going to change in the next two years because, but I know it will, because this pandemic has really kind of shown everybody that sometimes we have to, we have to kind of take a step back and uh, assess situations and make tough decisions when it comes to your career. If I'm a young artist sitting here, like who is the right client for you, Andre? If somebody's sitting and listening to this and they're an artist, do you like, do you normally work with people that are kind of a little more established in their music career? Is it, is it someone at the very beginning? Like, like, who do you, who do you work with? Yeah. I, you know, it's a little bit of both, but at the end of the day, for me, I need to work with someone who has work ethic yep. and who, who is serious, you know, work will out, outlast talent every single day. So, you know, it's important for me to work with someone that has talent as well, but if they have talent and no work ethic, it's not going to work. If they have work ethic, but they can improve from a performance standpoint, or uh, we can help with that. You know what I mean? It's easier teaching someone to sing well than it is teaching someone to reply to every single Instagram comment on their page. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... <laughs> Well, and I think that's, yeah, I think hard work always trumps, uh, you know, well, you have to have talent, but hard work's something you need to go along with it. 
if somebody's looking to connect with you, like what are the places people people should follow you on? Like how how do you like to interact with people? Yeah, I mean Instagram is probably number one right now, just at Andre Caden Black. You know, and you can check out my website also, andrecadenblack.com. You can contact me either way. But I think at the end of the day, like do you think work ethic is born or do you think it's something that people learn? I think it's a little bit of both. I think you need that drive and grit, but I think over time you can learn to, you know, hustle a bit more and you have to have the right influences around you. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. What do you think? I think, you know, I think you're right. I mean, a part of me feels like you're born with it because, you know, I have met a lot of different types of people out there and the ones that are really, really uh, hungry seems like they're hungry for everything in their life and uh the ones that that aren't just seem like that's just the type of person they are whether it was their upbringing or genetics or whatever it is but uh i just find that extremely interesting when it comes down to this uh conversation so i think it's really interesting too and i think another thing i wanted to i found interesting is you said that artists should spend about you know an hour a day on their social that takes work ethic too it also takes not caring what someone else will think all the time and maybe that yep. takes time to develop if anyone looks at andre's instagram you, you can tell you work out man you got what <laughs> <you got laughs> body you're showing off there and and you don't seem shy about that in any industry now social plays such a big part, right? Even with what I'm doing on this podcast, and admittedly, I need to get better at it. How do you discipline yourself to be like, all right, I'm going to put out good content, not going to care what people think. I'm going to put together that content calendar, because I assume you work with artists on that all the time. Yeah, yeah, I do. Man, it just comes down to to habit. And it comes down to mindset. And again, from the beginning of our conversation, if you can just change your mindset, it changes everything. It changes, you know, it's like brushing your teeth. A lot of people don't floss, you know, it's just, just start doing it. And it just becomes part of your routine, you know, and you just have to kind of start. And a lot of people just, they don't, you know, whether it be fear or laziness or whatever it is, I think it's at the end of the day, you just kind of have to put your foot forward and keep walking. And, and speaking about mindset and how you just get at it, what does your work day or life look like? Because you're in music, is it completely all over the place? Are you like mixing in workouts with work throughout the day? Are you a guy that's like much better in the morning or much better at night? Because working in the music industry, you're, you're kind of on all the time. So where do you find the balance? Pre-pandemic, let's say. <laughs> yeah, pre-pandemic for sure. I mean, look, I'm not a morning person. Uh, I know a lot of people keep raving about getting up in the morning. I don't really think that it makes a difference, to be honest with you, whether you're up in the morning or you're working at night, I don't think it matters. So, you know, I keep reading 10 steps to success. Okay, wake up early in the morning. Why? What does it matter? As long as you're, if, as long as you're getting 12 hours of work in, does it matter if you start at 7 a.m. or if you start at noon? So anyway... You know, I like to sleep in. I don't really like the mornings. I don't like to, I don't book any of my sessions early in the morning unless I have to. But that being said, I do make sure that I put in my hours. So if I'm starting at noon, I'm going 
some days I go till like one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. Again, it all depends on the schedule. But yeah, I mean, pre-COVID, I was, I'm usually running around, whether it be podcasts or interviews or helping an artist with their factor grants or in the studio writing or whatever it may be. Uh, it, my, my schedule is usually all over the place. This is no standard Monday to Friday type thing. And sometimes I'll, I won't work for three days and sometimes I'll work, you know, 12, 13 hours for three days straight. So it's very, you know, timing is very erratic in that way. And, and I guess that fits your lifestyle, right? Because that's probably the way you've always been. Or do you sometimes wish like, I do wish I had like a bit of a Monday to Friday, more routine, or do you like, do you like having it the way you do? No, I, I like, I like my work this way. I, you know, I bring routine into my athletics, you know, so that's how, that's kind of the routine I stick with, which is fine. But I like work to be kind of like all over the place. I like, I like not knowing what's coming next. It's, it's more exciting that way. <laughs> so, and, and you're also a bit of a basketball basketball guy i think i think you're a big basketball fan you gotta you gotta eventually find your way onto the bill simmons podcast i don't know if you listen <laughs> yes <laughs> oh yeah man he's great oh I, I listen to him from time to time yeah absolutely and undisputed i listen to that podcast all the time too which is really funny um, yeah when it comes down to it you know i love i love the game of basketball i'm really into my my athletics my triathlon goals and I'm big into health and wellness and dieting and, and, you know, focusing on, on that kind of stuff. You know, I, I've done a ton of research and I, I feel like I've, I'm very different than a lot of people. You know, I, I do a lot of fasting. I believe in, I think fasting is extremely uh, healthy. You know, for me, it's helped a lot. You know, I, I only eat one meal a day, which, uh, which helps me at work. So I don't have to, I'm, I'm never really hungry during the day. I don't have, wow constant cravings. I don't have to break for lunch or anything like that. You know, I eat around 11 o'clock at night. I have a salad and a couple of protein shakes and that usually does me, you know? So. Wow. In terms of it's not a straight line or your career in life, is there anything we didn't touch on that you'd like to touch on that you think could be, you know, impactful for people within the music industry or just people like myself, just uh, working in different industries or going through different life struggles as, as we know it and coming out on the other side. Yeah. The only thing I'd like to say is at the end of the day, you really have to become obsessed with your goals, especially in a competitive market like this. And you have to stay positive and you have to understand that this is a long, long road to success and you have to be committed. So, you know, you have, you know, you have to be doing it for the right reasons. Otherwise you're just going to get into a lot of debt and you're not going to be happy with the outcome. So, and how do you how do you set your goals? Are you a big believer in like do you use a vision board? Do you just write things down? Do you do these at the beginning of like January 1 or do you do these consistently throughout the year? Like how do you keep track of your goals? I actually write them down, which is really important. I also do a lot of uh visuals, so I'll just kind of feel like the goal is going to happen. I kind of just visualize me actually doing that. Like, so for instance, if I want to finish an Ironman, I'll visualize myself running, running through the finish line. You know what I mean? I'll just kind of visualize it. Or if I want to, you know, want to accomplish something, I'll just visualize it. Another thing too, that 
my practices every full moon. I also try to write down my goals because I feel like people used to do that. Um, you know, a lot of the times during a full moon, I think it's important to kind of write down your goals and, you know, manifest. I feel like that's when the energy is at its best and you can really kind of, in a spiritual sense, make some strides that way. That's interesting. I never thought about that on a full moon. Now, when you say you write them down, do you do it in a notebook on your phone? Are you more of a digital guy or do you like to do the pen and paper? No, I, I, you know, you have to, you have to write it down physically, I think. Yeah. You have to write it down, you know, in our condo, I don't know if you have those sliding doors. Yes, I do. Yeah. If you get, um, we have these sliding doors for the listeners and, and, you can kind of get dry erase markers and just write on the doors. So I kind of write my goals on my door and I kind of, every time I wake up, I, I see them. So it's the first thing I see before I walk in, out into my kitchen. So, you know, it's, it's like that story with Jim Carrey, how he, you know, he wrote himself a check for a million dollars or whatever it was. And he put it on his cork board and he'd look at it every single day. And, and, uh, lo and behold, you know, yeah. I love that story. I One of my buddies who I hope to have on the podcast, Steve Fry, I believe did the same thing. And he was one of the 25 lottery winners for a cannabis shop in uh, wow. in, uh, in Hamilton. And he ended up selling that. And now he has opened about five. So he took about the same approach. And, and I love the story of Jim Carrey because he talks about his dad and saying how he was an accountant. And, you know, he was a funny guy and he failed at doing what was quote unquote, the safe thing. And I think that drove Jim Carrey and what a guy he is. Oh my God. Oh, amazing. From Burlington. So that's right. All, well, Andre, thanks so much for doing this. I really hope we get the chance to hang out in person soon. I'd love to hear more of your stories about the music industry. And I'm sure we can shoot the shit about the Raptors and basketball and everything else. And, uh, uh, thanks for doing this, man. You're a great guy for for doing it and giving some people some advice. And I hope that you, you know, help some people accomplish their dreams. And when do you hope to run that Ironman? Well, now with COVID kind of pushing everything, uh, I'm hoping registration hasn't even opened for any races yet. So I'm just kind of waiting, uh, you know, for these races to start. But I'm hoping... Uh, I can do probably a half Ironman I'd like to do this year and then okay. full Ironman next year. Amazing. I'll be rooting for you. And uh, if anyone wants to find Andre, find him on Instagram and I'll, and thanks again. And let's, let's connect soon, man. Thanks so much, Jordan. Have a great day. There you have it. Thanks for checking out. It's not a straight line. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, and if you can, leave me a review, provide me some feedback, and I wish you all the best as you find your way in your career and life.